Oh, yes. Welcome to another TMG interview, everybody. Talking movies with those who make them. Paul Preston here, along with Adam Witt, and we're thrilled to have a unique talent in studio today. There aren't many editor-slash-composers working in Hollywood today, but that's just what our guest does. He has edited 12 films and was the composer on 11 of them. (laughs) Plus, he has another 40 or so score composition credits and much more. His latest project is the box office smash Bohemian Rhapsody, which is approaching a worldwide tally of $600 million, which I love that it did without... Uh, Star Wars, Marvel, or DC. We'll get to the bottom of all that with John Ottman. Is there anyone who does what you do? No. Well, I mean, I've, if someone has done this, um, I couldn't give you a name, but I don't know why they would. Why would, they, why <laughs> yeah, would anyone, It's so cool. Why would anyone do that to themselves? Uh, <laughs> and such yeah. a, it's a, such a natural fit, too. It is. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's yeah. like... Uh, yeah, you just have to basically have a, be a person who doesn't really have a life because, uh, <laughs> you know, I've tried to explain this to people before, the editing of a film never stops. You just don't stop the editing and say, I'm going to go write a score now. Um, so uh, it's something I, after X-Men Apocalypse, which uh, Apocalypse sort of uh, described my life at the time, <laughs> um, I just said I wasn't going to uh, do this thing again. Yeah, and both, both jobs wow, at the yeah. same time. It's and just uh, way too much. You did. And well, and then I got called for Bohemian, and it's like, I said, and I told you, I said, no, I'm not gonna do this again. Then he, then, he, then Brian told me what it was. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> How do you say no to that? Exactly. The, the intention, of course, was to do both. But as it, as we'll talk about it. But as it turned out, I didn't feel score was even right to put on the film. So, um, I was just the editor, you know. Okay. So, um, which was, uh, you know, it was a difficult film, but in a strange way, it was a luxury for me because I just. Uh, only had to deal with the editing. You know? But you were also a producer in the film, so did you just fire no. the composer? No, I wasn't. <laughs> You're I like, wasn't. get rid of that guy. <laughs> no, I was the producer on this one. Oh, on Bohemian? Yeah. No, not this one. Oh, had, okay. I think you had four producer credits, right? Uh, okay, I thought that yeah, was IMDb is yeah. great. Yeah, but uh, not this one. Okay, okay. But uh, you have a long history working with Brian Singer. We'll get to that mm-hmm. history, but just uh, to cut to your most recent project and keep chatting about this, uh, it was recently nominated, I wanted to mention, for two Golden Globes. No doubt it's shortlisted for some Academy Award nominations as well. Let me play a little clip for those who aren't familiar with Bohemian Rhapsody, which you should be. Uh-huh. $173 million domestic. You uh-huh. saw it by now, but here it is anyway. A clip about the, uh, the story of Freddie Mercury and Queen. I enjoyed the show. I also... Right song. Our lead singer just quit. Then you'll need someone new. I love the way you move on stage. The whole room belongs to you. Don't you see what you could be? No one will play us on the radio. We need to get experimental. Do it again. One more. How many more Galileos do you want? Roger, there's only room in this band for one hysterical queen. <laughs> so Queen, I mean, I love them. I've ha- I have since 19, I think The Game, I think was my first. Another one, but I said, who is this? Then I learned all the back catalog oh, and then wow. everything since then until right. obviously they broke up. Were you a fan? 
Uh, no, I wasn't. I um, mm-hmm. I know, shocker. But but well, <laughs> I was a geek. All I listened, all I watched was Star Trek and listened to film music <laughs> and uh, Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams. And then, um, but but when I saw um, respect, by the way, right? I mean, that's not yeah, a bad yeah, choice absolutely. for your life, I, but look, for your childhood. But well, I, I mean, yeah. what I say is, I became a fan. So I, I wasn't up. a fan to begin with. Uh, I came into a reverse way. I um, I watched Flash Gordon, yeah. and um, you know, that was my entry. <laughs> totally my entry. Was it really? <laughs> it's a terrible movie, of course. But I was like. The music makes this movie, and so then I'm like, "Who's that?" You know, and I realized it was Queen, which who I knew who Queen was. And then, of course, then you, then you go back. You know, the geek I was, like, "Oh, they wrote that, and they wrote that, oh, that one too." You know, and you realize how many things they'd written. And then I went back, and then became a fan. Similarly to uh, when Jerry Goldsmith scored Star Trek: The Motion Picture, mm-hmm. um, or Alien, really was the first uh, thing I'd noticed. And then I was like. You know, my, my world was rocked by, by, and so I went back and started uh, collecting his scores from the 60s and became a Jerry Goldsmith fanatic. So so it's very similar in how I was introduced to, introduced to Queen. You know? and, Better and late yet, than never. And yet the most orchestral of bands. Like once you get, get into the appreciation, yeah. you go, oh, wait a second. No, there's some Where amazing been my uh, yeah. orchestral music they did in that <laughs> right. score. It's incredible. You know? yeah. yeah. It's a perfect, it's a perfect mashup of both. Yeah. You know, if you're going to yeah. have one movie to not do the score to, it yeah. would be the most orchestral. And there are so many times. I wanted to walk up to Brian May and say, "I just love you know the, the work on uh, on, uh, on Flash Gordon, but you don't you know how they're going to react to something like that. Right? Like, yeah. What true. are you fucking talking about? It was awful. <laughs> you know. So who knows? You know. So I just didn't say anything. You know. You know so. that's the only thing that would keep me from saying Flash Gordon is a remakeable film. I'm not big on remakes, mm, mm-hmm. but I think Flash Gordon was. You could probably remake it, but then yes. again, if you don't bring Queen along, what do you? Well, I, I would feel there's a great loss there. Paul, I think you got a great idea, and this is a good room to have a discussion because when we get to Superman <laughs> Returns, how you use an existing theme. I think that's right. a great idea when there they make go. Flash Gordon. Like, you know, they try to make Man of Steel without John Williams' music, and it's like, what are you doing? Why would you do such a thing? Same thing with Flash Gordon. I don't know if you can make it without someone doing a riff on Queen. <laughs> like, like Creed takes the Rocky theme and sort of mixes up the notes. Same thing with Rogue One, you know? Well, there you go. Well, we'll be pitching that to you later. Jeff. And Superman right. Returns, which we'll get to. <laughs> uh, now, I recently, well, speaking of, like, changes and things. I recently went to Leavesden Studios in England and oh, saw the whole awesome. making of Harry Potter. And oh, it's right. a, it's ama- it's like one of the most amazing things if yeah. you're a movie fan that oh, you'll ever see. I went there, yeah. What, I did that. Yeah. Like I went to yeah. Universal Studios, they have the history of Universal Studios on their tour. This eight movies is better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they go super in depth and I great I had great uh respect for Chris Columbus when it was over because they have video interviews and things with him and he talks mm-hmm. about how you know you think well we got rid of him so we could get real with Alfonso Cuaron making Azkaban mm-hmm. and then the stories got more depth and everything but um, Columbus produced Azkaban yeah you know, he yeah. kind of knew he wasn't right and so they brought in a different director or but knew that the tone changes that's you know if you kept a Chris Columbus tone that would not be serving the book so I think that's, exactly yeah, that's, and speaking of yeah. serving the book he, uh, I'm going a long way for this uh, point, but uh, he. This is what happens here, John. Yeah, yeah. Studios, <laughs> like studio guy, we we always we always go nuts at studio guys giving notes, and there and he told a story about how like studio guys are like, hey, shouldn't we have cheerleaders at the Quidditch matches because kids know what cheerleaders are and that'll help them understand what's going on here. Yeah, and he's like, no, like Columbus was saying though. I love when you know. A guy who's known for sort of being kind of light with his films was like have to stand up for this kid text, these kid books, and say, keep them smart, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, was there anything like it going on like that in Bohemian Rhapsody when translating it was like, hey, we need to write a new Queen song so we can win an Oscar no. or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. I right. mean, that would be ridiculous. And well, that's <laughs> why I ask. <laughs> now, as, as the uh, editor, are you with this production, and, and being Brian's friend, I, you're mm. with this production, from some of this production from the very beginning, even though you're, right? Yeah, many times I come on uh, when we're, you know, um, 
I come on maybe halfway through or tail end of, of pre-production okay. when we're pre-visiting the scenes, you know, um, animated storyboards of the scenes and so forth. This one I came on really only about two weeks before we start shooting. So, oh, okay. um, cause a different kind of movie, there wasn't a lot of heavy previs and so forth. Um, and normally I'm designing those sequences with the previs artists, but this time, um, the director of photography was very involved in, um, designing, we don't, didn't have an official previs artist, but he uh, used some previs people, um, to, uh, to design some of the sequences, not, not the, not the concert sequences, but, um, you know, like uh, little, little bits, like the idea of going through the bus, Okay. Um, to yeah. Get to a yeah. Concert, and um, there, there was originally some stuff where we went into outer space and do a satellite and came back down. It was just a little too much, <laughs> but but little things like that that he did previs. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And and it all ends, of course, with the big live aid sequence. Right. Which to me, I mean, I've seen a lot of biopics lately over the last decade or so where. It just reminds me how much of a jerk the guy I thought was my hero was. Yeah, like I know, the Jimi right? Hendrix movie. Yeah. Oh, it turns out he was a jerk, cheating on everybody, and it, oh, Ray Charles turns out he was a drunk, and Hank Williams, and and on and on, and uh, I think I wrote, uh, Johnny Cash. You know? Yeah, yeah. And right. so this was one that they go out on a high note. Yeah, you know, and I loved that. The, the right. whole movie didn't see the the people were watching dwindle into yeah uh, irrelevance or. Fighting and arguing. I mean, they had that, but they go yeah. out on top. But that was the idea of the film, and the film is basically a celebration of Freddie Mercury. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. it it delves into how he descends in, you know, into um, into not to say the dark side, but you know, it's the, the classic story where his ghost you know, catch up. You're on you know. top, and you you basically get full of yourself, and then your tail's between your legs. You apologize to everyone, and and um, and it's 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 a very classic story in that regard, and so um, and people. <laughs> People, you know, and, and because it's a human story, and that's it's very common to what happens with in people with uh, in that stature. And so I think everyone um, who is on board with that kind of uh, redemption story, um, you know, th that's why they, they they I think react to the film as like they do. And and also, um, you know, and there's been there was initially talk, you know, when when people were anticipating the film coming out that it wasn't going to be gritty enough and, and dark enough. And, and we could have made that kind of movie, but then the idea is that, um, just like Brian May's character talks about in the film, is that their, their music is about per participation with the audience and, mm -hmm. and about bringing, bringing the audience in. And, and, and we wanted the movie to bring another generation in, and, and also in, in, in addition to the generation that was already familiar with Queen. And, um, and so this, this, by being a celebration and being accessible, as it were, which is a really bad word to use for, for f films usually, um, but we were able to, to bring more people in to, to, to that world, you know, um, yep. and celebrate his life. Um, and it, I don't think it skirts the things that happened in his life, yeah. you know. Um, uh, anyway, so and for some reason in biopics, and Paul and I have complained about this for years. There's if it, I think it's the way that critics get to show because it's based on history. So you can go look all this stuff up and make up your own movie in your head. So it's the one format where critics can go, well, that's not what I would have made because I know yeah. this story. Anything else unfolds in front of them. So they get to be real smarty pants with biopics. Yeah, you know? and it's a difficult biopic because it's not only a biopic of Freddie, it's a biopic of the band in, a, in a essence, and it's uh, and it's a concert movie in terms of. Um, 
you know, uh, be an entertaining film with Queen's songs. And so um, to service all three of those things was very difficult, you know, and to, to pull it off and have it be engaging, have it be emotional, have it be real, but also have it be, like I said, the celebration. And, yeah. and to have you moved into the fuck the critics segment of uh, our yeah, show? No, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> but but uh, what I do want to say about this ending before we get too far away from it is yeah. it's a big surprise when you're, when you're in the theater that, that it's, it keep it goes to the next song and then the next song and I'm like, are we gonna watch the whole? Uh, and know, then the, it's over. And exactly. So it's like, wow, if this doesn't work, we are screwed. So <laughs> I've said this in, in other other interviews. That's just what kept me up at night for a year because it was the first thing we shot. Yeah. And um, I would always in my free time go back to Live Aid because mm -hmm. it's just something I tossed and turned about because I knew we all knew that if it doesn't work, the film is a disaster. Yeah. Um, and so it, it had to um, be cathartic. It had to feel like it was an experiential, real-time thing that you were, you were there for. And yet I had to cut it down. You know, there's yeah. two songs cut out, and there's, and there's sections of songs cut out. Um, and there's budgetary concerns because of uh, visual effects and how much I could show the audience. And so it was, it was, it was a Megillah, as you would say, you know. But, um, and I've used the Death Star sequence. <laughs> That's um, the best analogy. Because the whole movie, it's like, well, if you heard about Live Aid, what about Live Aid? Yeah. You know, well, you are going to Live Aid. Well, it's like the whole thing is this build up to this thing. It's like, my God, if it doesn't like deliver, yeah. we're screwed. If so. the Death Star isn't hard to beat with this ragtag group, yeah, you know, yeah. then, then we've yeah. spent the whole movie selling that premise yeah. for no reason. And, <laughs> and you had to feel almost exhausted by the end of it, but in a good way, not, right. you know, not a bad way where you want it to end, but it had to be uh, long enough where you are, again, exhausted by it, but, but, but not too long where you're, where you're exhausted in a bad way. You know? it's, it's exhilarating. It was a total mm. shock and it's just so exhilarating. It's so fantastic. Yeah. And I never knew that the Freddy's sort of playing around with a solo career was that in depth, like that yeah. potential had that much potential to break up the band. Yeah. I think I might have heard a song back in the day that, but I, I never knew. Th yeah. There's at least one I think I know that did make radio play. I as think. far as I knew, yeah. they went right on into it. Mm. Mr. Kind of Magic. Was that the, the one huh? in the film? I think might have. Is that the? I'm not sure, but yeah, there's yeah. there's one where they're all dressed up. Yeah, I think it might be the okay. one from the film. And then yeah. I, they, as far as I knew, they went right into Kind of Magic, Innuendo, and then they were done. And I or yeah. the Miracle in there too. Yeah, but. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 that is a, a fantastic finale. And and was it shot at Wembley? No, it was a big yeah. parking lot. So um, it was the, the stage itself was massive, the same size as Wembley stage, okay. mm -hmm. but it was just a field and parking lot out there. Yeah, and, I wonder uh, how yeah. green screen you got it up because was it, was the shot in England? Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, so yeah, I figured you were there. But yeah, and there was there was um, a few hundred extras standing out there, but they were like a poster stamp compared to the size. Of yeah. you did of, a gladiator on it, right? Yeah, yeah. The arena. So they were in, individually <laughs> we scanned uh, each person doing each song, and then um, placed in the audience and wow. changed clothes on them and so forth. So there's no there's no digital people, um, but they're they're manipulated. It's called spriting. Um, spriting. Spriting. spriting oh, yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah. I was completely baffled by it when we when um, I was looking at the footage because the camera was moving all over the place, you know, through the parking lot, and I'm like, but there, it, there wasn't motion control. So I'm like, how? Am I putting people? It doesn't make any sense to me. They go like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You can do whatever you want, and we'll just we're gonna do the spriting." I'm like, um, "Okay." So it literally was almost like um, you would do for a motion capture film. You could just do anything. I could do anything I wanted, or, or use any angle, and it would they make it work with with the uh, 
the fake or the, the fake idea, real crowd, fake fake real crowd, you know. And the idea behind I was fascinated because when I watched the making of Avatar, that the way this really works is they build everything in 360, and you walk through with a fake camera in a sort of yeah. Way, and this was this wasn't that, but yeah. it, but it was like it because yeah. I was just shocked that um, no matter what the camera did, um, they would make it work yeah. in terms of going behind people's heads and around. It's like it doesn't make any. Wow. It's all it's only it's all because they scanned each person 360, but. Each person individually, but it's I don't know. It's amazing technology, (laughs) (laughs) and it's cool that it can be used for something that's not X Men Apocalypse. Exactly, sell what it was like to be at Live Aid. Yeah, yeah. Because when I read the script, I was like, "How are we going to do this?" Because um, uh, I just assumed that we were going to use stock footage and so forth, but uh, I had no idea that uh, it was going to be you know. Yeah, there's zero, right? There's no zero. No, yeah, which is all the more impressive. And you could tell everything like the two, they keep cutting to the two guys that are watching the performance. And I'm like, I'm assuming, I'm assuming in the real video, those two guys are there. I'm assuming the beer cups are exactly where they the, were. That looked fairly accurate. Yes, like, yeah, the, ra- the Raptor guys. The Raptor guys. There yeah. was an obsession about the Pepsi cups. <laughs> yes. Oh so, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know about the guys in the Raptors. Yeah, 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 yeah. But. I just wanted to show that everybody's thinking. Like you said, everybody loves. Uh, they want everybody involved in there. You mentioned Brian May. You know, you, you talked to him a bunch and. How early were they involved? Did they oversee the entire script? They the were production? involved uh, ten years ago. I yeah. mean, fr- starting ten years ago with Graham King, the producer, and his uh, his partner um, Dennis O'Sullivan, and um, Graham, you know, took that long to get this thing together. And um, they were always there, having to approve uh, script drafts and concepts and how the story would be told. And um, and uh, it's credit to Graham how. Um, he could really work with the band and, and get them to even sign off on on li- little little uh, fudging of truth and certain you know as all biopics have to do and um, the fact that they went along and knowing the, the greater good was to tell the story and having to accommodate some of those little white lies to get to uh, to get a structure going that that was emotional and um, and engaging. You know, was so. John involved? Because John, John Deacon, I don't think he no, tours anymore, right? So no, no. Um, he uh, he wasn't involved. There was something that years ago happened or something where he took mushrooms or I don't know what. It was something. <laughs> I don't know what. But um, we'll have to get him so, in here next. I don't know. But <laughs> it was basically uh, Roger Taylor and, and Brian May. Um, I think they're the only two that still tour, and they tour with Adam Lambert. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Adam Lambert, if you noticed, is the truck driver in this in the during Fat Bottom Girls who Freddie <laughs> sees going to a bathroom. Oh, oh no we're kidding. Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So they they were involved, and in, in especially when I would uh, cut a sequence together, you know, because um, I inevitably had to cut stuff down, and they and they understood. And they're not, you know, they understood for a film, and you can't have every concert in its full length, but. Uh, and uh, but you know inevitably to make something shorter I'd have to I'd go into the guitar solos because that's where you know a lot of the fluff is you know it's like nothing's really going on and so it's like oh god you know he's gonna walk in here and he hate me you know but but he he got it and so and we we did some give and take a couple of bars back here and I could steal from over here and so yeah. and trivia for you uh, folks out there Joe Mazzello plays John Deacon, and he is the young boy in Jurassic Park. Yeah. You are right. That is who that is. <laughs> that is who that is. Yeah. And he's very funny. I saw oh, him yeah. speak once. He's a really funny guy. Yeah, yeah and his <laughs> accent is amazing. I mean, oh. his fake accent is amazing. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I got to see it again. That's interesting. <laughs> I had no idea. Of course, Mike Myers is also hard to pick out at first. He took a second. Yeah, well, disappears. The idea, role. at least as far as I was concerned, was uh, before. Please tell me it's the same idea I have. Go ahead. Well, no, it was just that oh. I didn't want people really to know it was Mike mm-hmm. Myers until like maybe half of the scene. Like, oh, is that right? because um, that was just I I, I I thought that was the concept, and uh, it might have been, but um, in the end. When the film's promoted, everyone's going to know it's Mike Myers anyway. Sure, but, but he disappears. But, uh, but people have said that even though they knew he was in it, they didn't know that, that was him. So, yeah. And he's really doing sort of a fat bastard-esque really kind of thing, you know, <laughs> but you still don't know, you know. I thought you were going to say what I thought might be that they put him in it because really, and I wish this was in the title card at the end, that Bohemian Rhapsody was re-released in 92 and went to number one. Oh, yeah, kind of because yeah. of Wayne's World. Yeah. yeah and so right. it's cool to see Mike in the movie because I thought maybe it was a little homage or, or almost well, a thank there was you. The, there was the joke, the Wayne's World joke. Oh, well, there says, was? Did I miss it? Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, he says, uh, he says no one's going to listen to Bohemian or Rhapsody. No, what's he say? He says, I, I, um, I can't see this as a sort of song people would be or, driving around in their cars and listening. Right by me. Bopping their heads too. And oh, bopping yeah. their heads too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Good, 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 good. I love that. Which sticks out as a joke, obviously, if you know that. Right. He's right, That's though, a way over. in the context of that movie. You're, you're right. See, I'm in film jail on that film. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Oh, so, so funny. I knew the reference was the film, but I'd never seen it. So uh, yeah. yeah, I saw that. That had an anniversary screening here in L.A. recently. Mm. And it, I haven't it, it, seen a lot it of, so long. A lot of references to things from 1992. Little, yellow, different. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah. What was that? Oh, it was a commercial. <laughs> the, the, the Doritos commercials from the early 90s, they spoofed. Mm. But other than that, a lot of gags are... Long time still hold up. Yeah, it still hold up. Well, the thing, you know, you know why Bohemian Rhapsody is in that movie is because they shot the entire movie, the entire script they had, and it only came out to about 65 minutes. <laughs> and they went back yeah. and shot other little bits and things. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. hilarious. Yeah. Wow. I'm not too surprised by that. That's one of them. Um, and kudos to you for uh, the the pace on this. It just works yeah. wonders. So much to get Thank in. You. So, that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. the thing. Some other movies have been struggling with that. I saw Vice recently. No, no struggle with that. They cover all of Dick Cheney like a. Oh, like okay. a fighter jet. Yeah. <laughs> that thing just flies, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, mean other films I will not mention, but they, 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 they tried to do a lot yeah. and uh, didn't do it as, as smoothly as Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. So. Of course, that's not to say a film should be cut fast. It just, the pace should feel engaging. Vice Story, so, storytelling. Vice right. seemed like it was cut fast. This did not, but they both Good. accomplished moving through a great period of time yeah. uh, for the viewer where it didn't feel that way. You just... You're going along for you know it's, it's it's the yeah. technique of I'm telling like I've got good news and then cutting to what that results in like you know the recording contract or whatever yeah, rather yeah. than explaining what that good news is you yeah. know or whatever yeah that's okay. sort of storytelling okay, techniques a star is born there's a scene in a star is oh, born okay. where a character gets off stage and the I mean this isn't probably even the editing but some a character comes up Lady Gaga and says say that friend you know I think you would be great without the band why don't you think about a career <laughs> on your own doll and I was like this is like Phil Hartman Simpsons character coming out of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, and then they just had to move from one thing to the next, uh, and it, the pace didn't quite work for me, mm-hmm. but uh, it did here. Yeah, More people in movies should talk like that, though. Right. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Hey, Freddie Mercury, I yeah. really like your moxie. <laughs> well, the guy who does it in Bohemian Rhapsody, it takes course over a number of scenes. He's a little more, yeah. uh, you know, he's a little more, a little less, you know, the whole inching away of Freddie from the band was a little more uh, nasty mm-hmm. and, and not so fast, and uh, he had room for everything in the film. Yeah. Are there certain There's things? A couple little little things I I would have left room, more room for if we if I had my way. But you know, every film yeah. is uh, 
you, you know, I, Graham and I would say we walked away with this with mostly what we wanted. You know, yeah. it's a, it, everything is a battle, and um, uh, not to say not to say this film was a bloodbath by any means, but there's also there's always different concepts of what the film is between you and the studio and so forth. And so, um, in our back and forth, and you know, our pleadings and many battles and so forth, we we walked away with something that we're happy with. But, um, you know, there are a, a few things I wish we had left in. But that's, you know, editor, if people think editors are people who usually want to take things out. But usually we want to leave some things in. You know, yeah. it's not that we're yeah. not just people who like to take things out of films, you know. Um, I guess the, the, the one thing I wish we had um, been able to keep in the film were there's some flashbacks to his childhood. Okay. Um, and that everyone knew from day one that was my mantra we gotta keep the, but but I lost that battle but but um and one of the reasons was is my concern was which ended up not being uh, a problem was that he, this guy's in every scene of the film is he going to start wearing on everyone or we're we going to start being so irritated by this guy where one will like him more and, mm. and will showing him as a child help that as it turned out he's so likable no matter what he does um, that wasn't a problem because um, when I saw um, I Tanya while we were making the movie, I went to a theater and and I was like, I was like, we see her as a child, and for so the rest of the film, no matter what she does, no matter how horrible she is, you you don't hate her, and so um, that was, I guess, one of my reasons to, to put it in. Plus, I thought I thought that the the father reconciliation in the end would have been more devastating had we known had we seen. Um, him being sent out to boarding school by his father. Yeah. You know. Made his father more cruel? Well, it wouldn't have made his father more cruel, but you would have Stern. understood um, the end when he says good deeds, good, uh, oh. you know, and it would have come more full circle. It yeah. still is very emotional, um, which is probably why we they said, go out there, and it's, we can meet this mood to be shorter, you know, so. Um, but yeah, that's, but maybe someday if there's, and I, I, I mean, if a film makes enough money, maybe there can be uh, an extended release at some point. I don't know. You know? Yeah. We are, but they are, I don't know if you've heard, they're going to, are going to release the extended Live Aid version. Oh, nice. Um, oh, how, fantastic. How um, it's being released, I don't know, but I just finished working on it like a couple weeks ago. And oh. um, it's the full 20 minute set. Oh, every song, awesome. every bar is restored. And it's great because um, as amazing as it is in the film, and the film has to be a certain length and it has to have a certain concise 13 minutes was just about right for the movie. Um, but but um, there are so many amazing things that Rami Malek did um, on the stage, which had to be cut out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm glad that it's not going to stay on the cutting room floor. And they spent a good amount of money doing new visual <laughs> effects shots for the crowds because they had to put more crowd shots in to accommodate the two extra songs. You know, That's often what kills a special cut is because yeah. if you need effects in that, then you're like, nah, why don't we're just going to put it on the DVDs. Yeah, yeah. With, you know. And before it even made, before it was even released, I mean, uh, I guess they assumed it would be successful. They weren't sure unnecessarily. And so um, they, 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 they decided to spend the money on it. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Rami yet. Uh, but yeah, what a performance, right? right? Nominated I, for the, one of the two Golden Amazing. Globes. Uh, Amazing, yeah, yeah just. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it's, this it's the nose bridge. <laughs> that, that's what he'll say. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, an odd character. I mean, he, he didn't. He, we never. I never thought Freddie was a jerk, but he was certainly uh, not even mercurial. Just odd. Yeah, odd guy. But that's yeah, uh, that's yeah. kind of yeah that is what's interesting is that he starts his style and everything like that and you obviously you know where he's going to go but you see him bumping up against all these authority figures that don't buy it that's right. always encouraging for me like when I was a kid and I was like yeah the, let the rebel go and do what you want you know like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked seeing those parts where he kind of bumps up against this sentimentality and that's that sentiment you know that, that sentiment about what he's doing 
But he, of course, starts succeeding. Like, you know, when he takes the microphone out for the first time at the stage. And yeah. we just mm-hmm. saw the original lineup of the band play, you know, fairly slow. Or not slow, but, you know, like not putting on a show. And we know that Freddie is ultimately going to become this masterful showman. Right. And so yeah, he jerks the microphone out and just immediately starts running all over the stage and doing the stuff. Yeah. That's, I love that. <laughs> so Brian Singer came in late because originally who, who did they cast uh, in, in this movie, the, the word went out a couple of years ago that they had cast uh, what's Sasha this? Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. That was not. You guys came in after that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's part of the ten year journey with Graham. Um, it, it probably had other directors, other obviously other actors involved at that point, or yeah. thought or were talked about. You know? Yeah. And now yeah. and then, <coughs> Brian had to leave this production early. And then, right. so did that, was that put extra pressure on you since you'd been with it longer than the, the, the person who came in to shoot the um, rest of it? It put extra pressure on me only because, um, I mean, Brian kind of lets me do my thing. So that wasn't so crazy for me. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't like to mess with my head because he, he, he's afraid he'll screw up something that I'm thinking about. So he likes to leave me. So it wasn't that different for me, except except usually when he leaves me alone, he comes back. He didn't come back, you know. <laughs> but but um, the, the I guess the the pressure was I had never worked with Graham King before okay. or his producing yeah. partner, uh, Dennis O'Sullivan. They were they were um, versions to virgins to the whole um, post production wor- wor- process. Our world, Brian Singer, <laughs> yeah. our whole thing, um, and. Um, and then when we had the um, replacement director come in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I didn't know, you know, I've never worked with another director yeah. as an editor before because I just do my thing. And so is this guy going to leave me alone? Is he going to get in my hair? You know, and so, um, but we, we ended up um, having a great little, uh, very brief relationship. Um, he was on for a couple of weeks, then stayed on for um, three or four weeks into post and left because he had yeah. to go do a film. Um, so it was just me seen the film through um, and working with Graham and his producing partner. Um, And um, I kind of liked it because uh, I don't like being bothered. No editor really does. I I can't imagine that most of us just want to be left alone. So, um, you (laughs) You really want to watch me do this? I've said that to everyone. I say it all the time. You really want to sit here and watch me do this? Can I just sit there and watch? You you don't. (laughs) But, and, uh, and I'm used to having quite a say in when I do work with Brian in post because um, we have that kind of relationship. Well, you guys have a rapport. You've known each other since film school, right? Yeah, I slam my fist like, this is what we gotta, it's got to yeah. be. I'm like, all right, fine, no. But um, no, actually, there's, there's some truth to that. But, uh, but, <laughs> but at least you know that tone with each other. When yeah, you're working yeah. with somebody you can, that's a good friend, you can call them a jerk, but they know that that's in the process yeah. or whatever. The, the difficult part for me in the, um, the last part of post is when, when you're battling in your battles, yeah. the test screenings and the interpretation of those results and everyone has their agenda, is I didn't have a director there to fight for what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, Graham, Graham was there and fortunately we, um, and his producing partner, Dennis O'Sullivan, we all saw everything the same way, which was mm-hmm. great. Because normally, you know, you can work with a producer who has a completely different point of view yeah. or has a pedestrian point of view. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Graham's done amazing films, Scorsese films and so forth. So we have that sort of like, um, the taste factor is that we all have the same taste factor. Thank God. Yeah. Um, so we we had um, we had consensus, um, but nevertheless, when there were things that uh, were horrific to me, that might have. Yeah, I was just going to say, were there any cheerleaders the at Quidditch type uh, awful <laughs> ideas? Brought of up? course. And when those things came, I was like. I I need someone to go fight, you know, because yeah. I I can't be that person. I do. I mean, I, I I mean, 
the guys at Fox, fortunately, I've worked with before on, on the X-Men film, so they yeah. knew me well enough where I can go and say, look, this can't be this way, and I'll tell you why. And so I'm, I'm, I am on the front lines at a table like this talking and pleading, you know. But at the end of the day, it's not my decision. So um, I, you know, five-page emails to Graham. You can't afford for this, you know. And, and, and he would, you know. And um, he didn't have to be convinced because we, we saw things the same way. But, but that was hard because, um, I, again, I didn't have... Uh, a director to to push for these things. And for me. Brian, as I've said, there are a lot of scenes you can see in a movie, and you go, "Oh, well, that was a fight." Like for Live Aid, that, that is no producer's first choice. Hey, can you make the last scene fifteen minutes long, and you know, one scene, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, you know, so but but I see in a lot of Brian's movies, I'm like, "Oh, that's a battle." Like, th there's no <laughs> way that the the producers are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead." And yeah, <laughs> and and I've said this before. I, I was I was preparing for some battles that never happened. You know, because when you when you put together a great sequence, or or I will say when I write a good cue as a composer mm. and it's really great and I know it I'm immediately fucking pissed off because I know they're going to screw up with it and they're going to hate it or something's going to go wrong and, um, and, I, and I just basically write the rest of the cue in anger or, or, or cut the, the rest of the scene in anger I'm angry already and nothing's even happened yet so um, more strings more strings more strings so there were a couple sequences like that in bow rap and I was certain that that would never survive a year there's they would and they did you know um the the one where they put the um, the bow wrap together in the barn which is a yeah, long sequence yeah. and um i just thought there's no way this is going to stay intact and it never changed a frame from the first cut oh, um, sweet. because it was an audience pleasing scene mm -hmm. and despite its length it, the audience kept laughing and, and getting into it and so uh it never it never was affected by any executive notes or anything and that, that reminds me as, as an editor on this movie are there certain is, is that sequenced from the get-go like okay and then we do uh then we do a montage of all these no, various takes or is that come together that in the one, I'm glad you mentioned that because that one um, very sequenced. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. The opposite of that. Oh. It was very improv. Mm. So um, even though it was scripted in terms of okay, they're, they're, uh, they have these chapters okay. we have to go through for the scene, putting the song together. Um, the actress went off, went off, and, which is great. And and um, <coughs> um, I, it's like it's both a blessing and a, and a curse well, for yeah. an editor because <laughs> you you want that stuff because it makes it real, <clears throat> but. One actor says, it comes up an improv line to an actor that's not there anymore, and now you've got a joke that doesn't have an, have an answer. Mm -hmm. So you either got to manufacture the answer, do ADR, or get the actor back, or, or, or in this case, I would just script out all of the, uh, the improv and try to make sense of it all. So, um, and it just it worked great because it's, it's, it's half improv, half scripted. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. In, in theater still. I looked it up today. You know, the show time's still all over the place. I it's hope it's a, here it's by Christmas because my parents are coming. I got to show it to them at some theater nice. and stuff. Like, oh. well, it's seen it two all? more weeks from now. No, because they live in like Carmel and there's no like good ah. theaters over there. Wow. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Because this, you've got to get all 21 uh, speakers if you exactly. can. Yeah, 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 right. It's amazing because when they do the scenes where they're literally talking about that queen effect where you go from the left to the right. Yeah, it's mixed accordingly. And it's just yeah, so it's mixed great. accordingly. Yeah. And then it just, yeah. Oh God. And and at the end at Live Aid, you were we, in that crowd. It worked very hard on the oh. mix. And um, the crowd was my mantra because it's like, um, it's all about Freddie and his audience. And that's when you get emotional. And so when it was really, literally just the straight music, it was cool and emotional 
esque. But then when you hear the crowd and yeah. see the crowd, it just brings the emotion. Oh, and it up, comes you know? at you too because it's got that it's mixed such. So when you, he's taking the stage, the crowd is starting to roar, and it's yeah. And I will say to anybody in our audience, because I did this, I went home. We have the greatest movie theaters in the world here in Los Angeles, obviously, because at any moment, Spielberg could go to one of them. You know, I mean, that's, right. a, that's a shorthand for, yeah. for why. But but I went to uh, Dayton, Ohio and saw a movie with someone, and I only heard music and, and effects and everything from the front speaker. And I went out and said, hey, none of the other speakers are on. And they didn't change it. And I went out and I said, I would like free tickets. And I would like to tell everybody in our audience, if you are not hearing your surround sound, <laughs> right, yeah. go ask for free tickets. It doesn't yeah. cost them anything. You think they have it? They just didn't turn it on. Yeah, yeah, it's just something. I remember yeah. years ago, I went to a theater when they were showing Usual Suspects when it had just come out, and only the left speaker was working. Ugh. I was like, it's amazing. How, how can an audience just sit there? And, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only coming out from over there. It's like, it doesn't make... I, uh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> and this, this, this one was even worse, just to go into a little more detail. They, the, it, clearly, it was mixed so that it would be surround. Those were just off. So you only heard the center channel. It wasn't yeah. like all the effects were in there. So parts of the song was missing. Like if they had mixed the choir in the back, yeah. that was gone. It was just, it was Do you remember the old days when you'd go see a movie and in surround stereo, but then it would go to the cheap theaters that were monaural? And the music, the score was gone. Like there's oh, really? no score. Like oh, wow. uh, I, I'll never forget my Star Trek II because I saw like, you know, 10 times. And I went to the, the, the cheap theaters when it was off. The, and literally the score was, was Sorry, missing. Sorry, no score to Star oh. Trek II. You, yeah, it was like that was that practically missing. It. I mean, you, you can hear it. Oh. Is it, is it, is it, it was like, and it's like people are like, oh, no problem. You know, I'm like, I, and I'm here like what? 16 years old, I'm like, what's going on? It's like, you know. <laughs> and that's what's funny. The movie I saw too, as, as you know, uh, Paul and I are editors as well in, in our daily lives. And so I know when there's certain music cues that are jumping that lead you into the next scene. So it's one of the things of like, well, I guess we'll have fun on Christmas and then Christmas or whatever. <laughs> and then you cut to the next scene. But that never came because it was in the rear channel. So yeah. then you finally, it caught up to the song. And I was like, this sounds uh, positively odd. Yeah, it can be horrific. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it's yeah. like quaint to go see... Like I did recently, like oh, they got Jaws in mono down at the Academy. <laughs> Let's go! But you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, time capsule. very much a stereo yeah. band, very much a stereo band. Yeah, people say, um, "Can I borrow your screener?" I'm like, "No, go yeah, to oh, absolutely." <laughs> yeah, and they live here in town. Yeah, no excuse. No, no excuse. Exactly. Plenty of industry screenings. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. But let's take a quick rundown of some of the career highlights. <laughs> For John <laughs> this is the nice guys, but uh, nice. which should have been nominated for best costumes. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, but let's uh, but let's jump way back to the beginning here. Actually, uh, for a film that won two Oscars, um, but wasn't nominated for the editing. We'll talk about that as we discuss mm. the usual suspects. You won the BAFTA for this. Right. And the, the American Cinema Editors nominated me, but I didn't get uh, an Oscar nomination. Like, to me, this, I know right out of the gate, this might have been your most challenging film, tell me if I'm wrong, to, to edit story-wise. Or, oh, yeah. or is yeah. time travel, and if, like and in an X-Men movie, more Splicer and film and, you know, piles of film all over my house. And um, back in the days, we had to remember, well, I still remember everything, but um, you, you had to. Because yeah. you just couldn't just like push a button and slap things up against the screen, you know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it was it, it was 
I guess it was hard. I can't remember anymore. That's, a high but it was, you you know. that's like the dive from the, the you know the, you know some divers dive and the other ones stand on their hands first and do a flip and stuff. That's yeah. you, you did the triple Lindy of, of starting your editing career, right? Yeah, but I was terrified because again, uh, I, I, it was a, a score that was for an orchestra. I had never written a score for real instruments before, and uh, and again, I was editing the film. How was I going to do both? And um, and uh, before this, you did two shorts with Brian. Right. Well, no, it was one a, at least. a feature film we did that no one really saw. Public but it, access, but it won Sundance. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was in my video store. Yeah, <laughs> where I worked in at the time. <laughs> and uh, I wrote the score for that too, and edited that. And so that's oh, that's cool. when uh, so when that's won Sundance, I was like. Um, I just want to write film scores. He's like, hell no, you're not. You're gonna, you're never gonna write a score. You're never, never gonna write a score for me unless you're the editor. So, and it's still uh, only him you edit for, right? Just Brian. Yeah, because I, I, it's uh, at gunpoint, really, because um, he would, <laughs> he would corroborate the story. It's, it's blackmail. Yeah, yeah. And my, my agent would always like uh, joke is, does Tim Burton make Danny Elfman wash his car so we can uh, <laughs> score the movie? But not that editing's washing the car. It's like there's nothing right, right. more important than the editing. Um, it's just, uh, for me, it's, uh, just a, a god awful lifestyle. It's, uh, you know, you're on a film for a year or two, um, and don't see anybody. And, you know, it's especially from scoring it. It's, I, I basically say goodbye to people and uh, they never see me, you well, know. Editing is a lonely profession to begin yeah. with largely. So yeah, you've got both of them, I guess. Right? What do you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you make of the crap term below the line? Yeah, my I friend know. Mike is a brilliant editor, and he rallies against that term yeah. as much as, as in, he possibly can. As in getting punched below the line? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. What also sucks? Let me just bring it up the things that are don't, aren't fair. Yeah. Um, Please is you know, and I and I'm saying this as a composer and as you know a, a filmmaker. There's really nothing more important than the editing. Obviously, you can't make a film with any of the factors missing. Mm-hmm. But um, and yet the film editor is the only one of <laughs> of the major contributors that doesn't get residuals for the movie. The composer gets residuals for the life of the film. The composer, the music's very important. It's the soul soul of a movie, but you can't make the film without the editor. Um, The producers get residuals. The actors get residuals. Um, the DP doesn't, but the DP is only on for three or four or five months. The editor is on for the for from the very beginning to the very end. Mm. You know. Um, anyway, that's my no. That's, that's my, a oh, yeah, totally that's valid my, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes me angry. I mean, that's that's yeah. your that's your palette. Your palette's they, the yeah, your reward. Yeah. You're called below the line. It's just <laughs> crap. <laughs> it's not fair. By the way, uh, one f- interesting thing because uh, knowing at the time when we saw Usual Suspects, I, I, it was weird to see because I'm obsessed with scores as well and film scores and film making and certainly that was a high indie time like all the indie films coming out right. this was one of those big <coughs> highlights you're like oh my god another challenging you know time rifting indie you know that's a, a crime epic but the that that double uh uh credit was interesting in such things as that little the little booms we heard there there's a mm. there's a plane landing and you you edit yeah. on your well i did that to help my first? jump cuts yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which comes first the jump cut or the bomb the jump cuts <laughs> the jump cuts i mean okay. uh I tell this before, I don't even temp a film until I've cut the whole thing together. And okay. a lot of editors will temp music as they're cutting the scenes to sell the scenes. But um, I found, to make this very this speech very quickly, um, I find that it, it just delays the discovery uh, um, later that the scene wasn't working. Yeah. Um, so, and to me, and I've had the, I've been blessed to be able to be left alone so I can basically have the clout to create a film that's dry um, and Dry. if I'm watching it for two hours or two plus hours and it's entertaining me and there's no score on it at all, mm-hmm. then it's working. And then if then when I temp the movie from from beginning to end, it's going to be a cohesive temp score 
and it's gonna and and what's gonna come from is a better score because it's not being hacked up for a year and okay. music isn't minced meat and so forth. Um, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I got into the tangent though. We we're talking about well, I feel like which came specs. first in terms of technique. Oh, right. you know, well, did yeah, you go suspects, back and forth because you can do both. I need know? to land those planes um, with jump cuts because the yeah. footage was so terrible <laughs> and the camera was shaking. And if you notice, it's like one plane's coming in, another plane's landing, two different sure. wrong yeah, planes. Yeah. I'm a plane buff. Um, <laughs> but I knew so that was actually I did that to a click, knowing that whatever I was going to write. Um, I'd have oh, to get okay. some booms or have something syncopated to help that sequence oh, out. Yeah. That's interesting. Mystery mystery reveal. Yeah, you did yeah. it with clicks yeah. and then actually edited so you could do those jump cuts and you just knew yeah. those would fall on a note. Yeah, I didn't know what the music the was going to be, but I knew it had to cut. Yeah. I had to cut. I had to hit them cuts. Yeah, Boom. yeah that just seems so uh, like a general knowledge. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? It seems like the simplest route to success. The film works without music. The film yeah, works. Yeah, right? Yeah. Music will enhance it. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have an Emmy nomination for Fantasy Island, the reboot, uh, yeah. but and no Short-lived. Oscar for a Did, nomination for the editing of Usual Suspects. Okay. Anyway, congratulations. Did you do the theme for Fantasy Island? <laughs> well, you know, I was favored. You know, the five Ace nominees are usually, not, not all the time, come, go on to be the five uh, Oscar nominees. And then, this is the way I, I remember it, Babe at the last second came in and got nominated for Best Picture, which was a surprise, and so that editor got nominated. And I got... Um, you know, booted out as the oh. five. So for Babe, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what people say probably happened, but okay. whatever. Um, yeah. I was a new guy too. I, I was I was amazed to have been uh, nominated by ACE because I was no one, and I was really um, felt really emotional towards that group of uh, the editors uh, organization because it was clearly based upon. Just my work. Yeah. Nothing political. Nothing. I'm a terrible networker anyway. I don't go to the Christmas parties. I don't. Uh, I, I can't do it. And I said the gene my dad gave me. Just I just I can't network with people. Don't go talking about yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Don't go bragging on yourself. <laughs> well, we're not going to cover every movie, but the other highlights was like... that was Fancy Island the first thing. I Oh, wait, hold on well, a second. Fast that was a short-lived TV remake. Yeah, okay. Robert yeah. Urich. Am I right? Ooh. Uh, that's a good choice. Or is that Love Boat? That was Love Boat. That was Love Who Boat. Who was in the fantasy movie? Uh, it was Malcolm McDowell. Oh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. my gosh. It was, it was dark, <laughs> and so it wasn't... People don't... You know, dark comedy is confusing to a lot of people, especially yeah. back then. It's more popular now, and it just... No one got the show. It wasn't a great show anyway. You know. Well, I was a huge fan of the original <coughs> Fantasy Island. I have to say, I watched it recently because it's on like MeTV or something mm. like that. And just now, as an older person, I'm finally watching. I'm like, I wonder if this holds up. And I'm like, oh, he's Satan. I'm like, I didn't get the whole time. I'm like, he's the devil in the white oh, suit. And you yeah, know. he's got the yeah. Uh, well, of course. Uh... Oh yes, the cable guy. <laughs> The score that no one heard on the movie because oh. it was buried. This is everything's a learning experience, but mm-hmm. I didn't go to the final dub. <laughs> and oh. when I saw the film, like, hey, you can't hear the music. So, um, yeah, it was really disappointing. And that's an underrated film. That's a it is an underrated movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I could talk about every movie for a while, but um, you know, that one it was really dark. Yes, uh, and fucked up in a good way. That movie. yeah, and, and you got Hitchcock strings in the cut. That's not no, but not I mean, the original too. cut was really oh, that's when that was the film was supposed to be a very dark comedy, okay. and it was awesome. <laughs> um, but the studio just got cold feet, studio. and and uh, the studio and well, well also, that's a all, tough one. For no, them. but I will say in the test screenings that that if. You Remember that chapter of Jim Carrey's life? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was 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 saying 
not that they meant it, like, oh, I'm getting kind of tired of the Jim Carrey's chick. Wish he'd do something different. So that's what they did. And, and then when his fans went and saw it, they're like, oh, it's so yeah. dark. <laughs> and so then they basically went through and they tried to find the funny takes of everything oh. he did. And they tried to make it a, um, a different kind of movie. And yeah. it's still, um, like you said, it's underrated. But um, it, it, it got, it kind of became, it's the worst thing to do when you do that for a movie because it becomes, it doesn't know what it is anymore. Cause it, it, neither it, fish nor fowl. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's got that's the thing, and I'll say that about films that people don't like too, because I generally I like most movies. Like I can I can find the the, the heart in anything, but like there are some movies where my friends don't like them, and I go, but don't you see the game that it sets up at the beginning, and then it succeeds at that? It doesn't right. vary from that, and what you really want is something you wouldn't like anyway. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing with this last uh, Halloween remake. It's like I. I you know, saw it with some friends, and I go, "Don't you, don't you catch what it's doing, and that it mm. keeps doing that, and it does it well." But mm. the, anyway, Halloween, you say? Oh, oh, that one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the fun part doing the opening sequence. Yeah. Then it wasn't fun anymore. This is Halloween H two O. Oh, is <laughs> yeah, that right? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a long, <laughs> crazy story in that one where the lot of the score was replaced by the temp score. It's a long story. Oh, so, yeah? really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's got to sting. Yeah, next movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, next movie, Urban Legends, final cut. Uh, you yeah. edit and score, and then you direct, so you hate yourself? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm a control freak, of course. Um, well, but, but, uh, but you haven't done it uh, much more. So hmm. you haven't done it much more as a directing. You no, do it you know, it's... Directing, a, not control freaking. You know, you have these weird forks... <laughs> you're still control freaking, but directing you haven't done much. <laughs> no, you have these weird forks in the road in your life, and you don't know in retrospect if you made the right decision, because after that film, um, despite how goofy it was, it, it was successful, and um, I was offered all these teen movies. Um, and I just said, I don't want to do teen movies. And so I was like, no. And I also felt like the scoring community, I was just a brand new film composer. I, I thought they'd written me off. Like, you're not one of us anymore. Mm. You're directing movies now. And so I felt so like, oh, oh no. And so I, um, I said no, and I, I crawled my way back into film scoring. And, um, you know, only in retrospect, I'm like, well, if I had done some teen movie, then maybe I'd be directing whatever I want now. You know, you don't get the first thing you want to direct. Or it could have been a failure. Who knows? So, I mean, um, I don't know. You never know if you made the right decision or I, not. I, you know. I think that's was, and, and, I, and I was very, I'm very obsessive with following all this stuff. So when Usual Suspects came out and I, I followed everybody from that. So I did know at the time, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting because that genre was hot. That was the Scream era. Uh, yeah. But, well... Yeah, I mean, again, I could talk about everything I've sure. done in, in detail. I mean, I was like, when I was offered the film, you know, because life is weird. I went into filmmaking to be a director, and then you, yeah. you get sidetracked. You forget that's what you got into it for the first place. So then when I was asked to do the film, I was like, oh, that's right, you know. And um, But they, they had kind of, they were flying the wall during Apt Pupil, another one. They kind of saw what I what I do in a Brian movie, and they are like, you should be directing movies. So, and I said, well, what is it? And they said, well, it's Urban Legends 2. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. You know, so but I but I told them, um, and you can cut some of the stuff if, if this is too long. No, I love but I, it. But I doubt told, it. But I said, I said, I said, are you? Sh I said, so uh, no, thank you, but no. So then my music agent of all people, who would lose work if I did this, was like, are you crazy? You know, I go, yeah, but it's a teen horror movie, and it's like teen horror movies are made fun of now. It's it's um it's a joke yeah. to do one that takes itself seriously, and so. I said, you know, uh, and they, so then the studio was like, well, what if we make it more intelligent? We don't make it so silly. And I go, well, so the whole Hitchcock angle and so forth. And I said, in the film school angle. And I said, well, that would make it more interesting to me. But I go, but are you sure 
you want to do that because it's a sequel to a film where dogs are exploding in microwaves and people are being force-fed Drano, you know, and that's the audience for the sequel. And they go, no, 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 no. So, so we did the highbrow, you know, thing, and um, and uh, you know, test audience really, really dug it actually. But um, they, but, 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 but the the deaths were off screen, you know, to make it more Hitchcockian, and they were okay. like, we want to see someone's head cut off, and so literally we went and shot this opening scene, created this character who gets her head chopped off in a window. And I go, if that's my marching orders, I'm going to go for it. So I literally had her, her, um, her kidney fed to the dog, and like even Amy Pascal was like, wow, that's like, I go, hey, I can do this stuff. This is what you want so and the audience loved it you know um but then it became but then after that scene it became the film it was which was the the intelligence yeah. uh um uh teen teen horror yeah film, but let you know? no man say john ottman doesn't fucking deliver <laughs> you want the kidney and the gore and all that but i'm proud of that when i looked at the movie there's there's sequences i'm proud of but as a whole yeah. it's a goofy silly movie um, with dialect choices, I would never let fly today. I'm like, my God, I look at that. I'm like, my God, you know. But um, anyway, but you can't regret it. Have, no, t- no, taking no, a chance it was, at directing. No, it was, it was a great experience, and um, I, uh, like I said, I, I, I want to do it again. But I'm at the age, the advanced age, where, I, you know, if I was 30 years old and someone said, "Go do a teen horror film," I'm like, sure, I'll do it. You know, but yeah. when you're, when you have a body of work and 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 you're at a certain age and, and you're like, <laughs> I, I would, I definitely want to do it, but only if it's something that is going to get me out of bed at night. Yeah, yeah. At, at night, in the morning. Depends on how depressed you are. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And so if, if I'm excited about it, I'll, I'll, I will definitely want to do it. But, but because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a freak as you should be when you make a movie. It should be your whole life. And There's so no life after if movies. You, yeah. Right. So if you're going to give up your life for a year. You gotta, it's got to be something that's really going to mean something for you, you know, yeah. I think. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's what do you call it? The From Russia with Love? Of urban of, legend of, movies. Of urban legend movies. <laughs> that just means a second. That's going to speak around here. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's two more definitely I want to talk about. Um, so this is your first superhero theme. Yes. X-Men, X2, X-United. Um, the best X-Men film. What a great... Yes. Pretty great. Yeah, Days of Future so Past much. comes close, but I still think X-Men 2 is the best. It's good, mean, but yeah. it's tough to do... Uh, Time travel and not get something wrong. So X two, probably the best. Yeah. yeah well, like they yeah. say in Looper, you, you can't even talk about that. Or were you sitting here making diagrams of straws and stuff? Yeah, on, yeah. The, on the table. That was yeah. a very exciting time for me um, because I got to do a huge score, yeah. um, even though I was also editing a huge movie with millions of visual effects shots. And um, yeah, you did and it was just just <laughs> me. So uh, I look. I I literally still think how. How the fuck did I do that? You know, but you're so um, excited, and and uh, and it went really smoothly too. There wasn't a lot of um, uh, tension between the studio, and there wasn't a lot of street shoots, and so um, thank God because uh, it was always like you know 100 minutes of music to write and so forth. Nonlinear um, editing software is a thing by now. By this, by maybe. this point, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did it on Avid, yeah. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it was, again, it was very exciting to me and, and, um, the, uh, and the story was good. Obviously the actors are fantastic. You're dealing with Patrick Stewart and, and Ian McKellen's like, you know, um, and, um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, and if I have John Luke Picard in a movie, I'm like, come on. Oh yeah, of course. But, you uh, must've went yeah, nuts as like, a Star yeah, Trek fan. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. But, well, they, um, for, they, uh, the first movie was Michael Kamen, right? Yes. Right, yeah. right. And <laughs> so, then, so you didn't. Now, I, here's a question before we have a we have a bit here to to play. But 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 was it 
when you couldn't do the first X-Men because you were doing Urban Legend, were you like, oh, like, were you a John Williams fan as a kid? Like, Of course the, I yeah, was. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, oh, I could have been doing Brian's superhero no, movie. No, and we we tried desperately to get me. We, we knew that <clears throat> I couldn't edit it because I was busy doing Urban Legends. Sure. But, but I literally tried to get my post schedule on Urban Legends pushed. I offered to pay for it myself mm. to score uh, X-Men 1, oh. but um, the but Sony wouldn't go for it. So um, um, Michael did the score. Yeah, We have a clip of it. So, so by contrast, right. we just heard your theme. Let's hear Michael Kamen's theme. <laughs> oh, sure. When they come out, does it hurt? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Every time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that... That might be Lethal Weapon. That might be Lethal okay, Weapon put yeah, over an X Men yeah. scene. <laughs> we love the X We love the Lethal Weapon score. Uh, well, let's burn through a couple here because I, I don't even want to talk about this one too much because I haven't seen it. I've already caught hell for it today. But we have the uh, yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He kiss, hasn't kiss, bang, seen bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I know. Bang. Movie Jail. I, I, do you have wow. a Movie Jail movie? I have lots <laughs> of Movie Jail, jail movies because um, sorry, my phone's going off. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Um, it's you know it's weird. I don't see. Tons of movies. Um, it's terrible. I see movies on planes, and that's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. I but know. I do too. I, do. I, I watch too. I'm like, I know. I haven't seen this. It's I want to see this. <laughs> it's the least I can do is hey, watch it. Hey, sometimes that's that's what your schedule allows. But at least yeah. you're using time to watch. You're making time, right? Which right. is respectable. <laughs> yeah. Hissy's Bang Bang is, is is a great little movie, and it and as people will know if they've seen it, is it's better every time. It's one of those kind yeah. of films. Yeah, I love Shane where Black. Where the first time it goes over and your Shane head. Black. Yeah. yeah. Shane yeah. Black, the writer of Lethal Weapon, actually. Yeah. yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. 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 Who should have been directing for years? I was always a huge fan of Shane, Shane mm. Black. I was so triumphant when I was like, he wrote, and also I was a fan of Robert Downey Jr. because he was like this unused kind of talent, yeah. and yeah. he'd be in these cool things like Two Guys and a Girl or whatever that is, the one without the pizza place. Yeah. And the, the chemistry <laughs> with him and Val Kilmer is, is oh fantastic. You know, um, yeah. yeah I will see it and report back on this okay. show. All right. <laughs> and then uh, this as well. And score is one of my favorites. So, oh yeah, the first iteration can go around for Fantastic uh, X Men Light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but still, I love oh, that. Still, there's voices though. Corral. That's not too dun, light. Well, yeah. Dun, dun, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. He turns it down right when the theme comes in. Yeah, there it is. Sorry, yeah, we're going to talk over. There it is. I'll let it play. <laughs> it's a good theme. Back when they used to write themes. Oh, no, oh, no. Right? Well, Paul and I used to complain about that all, all the time. Was like at some point themes went out of score. Well, it's because there is this misconception that oh, if you do a theme, it's going to be dated and cheesy. But there's you can do themes and not have it be dated and cheesy. Is that why people don't want to put it? I think a, they're just scared to death. It's gonna it's gonna sound like it, it's a dated movie. But but you you know, it, you it can be done. Um, yeah. uh, it's an art. And how do you do it and have it still feel like it's a modern movie, but not have a theme be three notes, which yeah. is what the whole new thing is now. Having said that, of course, movies have changed, and they're so fast-paced, there's no time for a full-fledged theme. But um, I can't write a score unless, um, even, if it, even if the theme will never even have its full iteration of the film, I can't write a score unless I've written a theme with a beginning, middle, and end. Oh, I love it. That's um, awesome. Because then at least I have a well to draw from. Otherwise, I'd be, I'd be lost when I'm writing, because I don't know where I'm coming from or where I'm going, you know. Uh, think of, I meant to ask this with X-Men. Uh, was was the uh, animated series uh, any influence at all? It has a very strong theme, and it's not 
it's not like they sound alike, but there's still a sort of a, a, a powerful push it, that, and this one has that too. It kind of. It wasn't for me. I know that um, for Cayman's theme, he had alluded to it. Okay. And they liked the illusion, so yeah. then I alluded to his thing when I did my theme. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. So there was still there illusion gotcha. down the line, you know. Or, yeah. You know. Uh, well, and then it comes time for another superhero movie. Oh. Um, you know, I. Oh, but I didn't write this theme, most likely. <laughs> well, well, yeah. You got to adapt one of the most famous yeah, this themes is, in right. movie history. Let's play a little clip of that. <laughs> and of course, is Alexander uh, Courage, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> from Cable Guy? <laughs> <laughs> Might have been. No, this was. Um, it wasn't Alexander Courage, though. It was. Um, <laughs> Who did this? Score? Uh, fuck, I the joke his name. is that's a Star Trek reference within Cable yeah, Guy. Yeah. That is not you. <laughs> that composer <laughs> is still alive, actually. He's like yeah. in his 90s. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it'll come to me. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about Superman. But of yeah, course that, we are. Oh, oh. This, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This buildup is the greatest. Yeah, and they they, they Keep played. Keep going, Paul. They re-released Superman the other day or uh, a few weeks ago. Returns. No, no, Superman, the oh, Stephanie oh. version. Oh, God. And I had tickets, and I forgot I had tickets that night and forgot to go. Shame oh, on God. you. God, it's like, yeah, we went yeah. back in. Like, yeah. Two. That's an amazing score. Like mine is two, but that's yes. But but, it, but <laughs> this but, is yours. But uh, <laughs> but but when you watch Superman, it's just it's an astonishing piece of work. The, it is an astonishing piece of work, yeah. and there's so many things that are just thrown away. Which which I was happy uh, with the. I think I, did I give you the learning to fly clip or the, uh, the we've got saving or the growing world up memories. Memories, yeah. This one is great, and this is your theme with his right, right. I can tell you. Uh, I like I love Michael Giacchino. I can tell you the scores that he does a theme to more than the ones he doesn't. I'm a big fan of a theme. I can give you that Star, Star Trek theme. The I can theme. give you that uh, mm-hmm. Up theme. Oh, I can yeah. give you that Incredibles theme. But there's there's no theme. another theme. I, I love themes. John's in this. Yeah. And I didn't have to re- reference any scores because I, uh-huh. I just lived and breathed that score. So I just basically wrote. I mean, I, there's a story behind this. I was I was. Terrified of writing the score because it's like and you exhilarated know. you had to be. You're like, well, no, it was more terrified because <laughs> okay. I was literally, literally getting death threats from people like, why are you scoring this film? You know, and oh, um, they had invented the internet at that point. I guess, yeah, yeah. And but I, I understand because um, I'm a big fan of, for instance, Star Trek. So when the Star mm-hmm. Trek motion picture came out, I was like, what do the transporter rooms look like? What's the effect like? What's yeah. the Enterprise? Did they fucked up with the Enterprise? I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> and so um, it's the same thing with Superman. And, and, and of course, they were preaching to the choir because Superman is one of the greatest films ever made. So. So, um, and the score is one of the best scores ever written. So, right. um, but after a while, I was becoming so crippled by my worry about making people happy. I just said, "Screw this! I'm just going to write the score how I would write it, and I'm going to infuse." Um, isms that I know in the back of my head, um, even with this, this, the theme that I that I that I redid there. I didn't have to refer to any scores because I, I can hear it. I, I can hear it all. So I just, um, but yeah, that's what I did, and and um, I think a really good score came from it. And I um, because I wasn't trying to sound like John Williams, I was just being me yeah. and alluding to those when it went. So it made a very more cohesive score than than those like Superman two where they're kind of you know. <laughs> editing together from the John Williams music and kind of reproduce re- yeah. reperforming it, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you're on you're on the scoring stage. And you everyone's getting all the instruments are getting into place and you're standing there and they play 
the super <laughs> what is that like it's um it's you feel like you're in a very historic moment you yeah. know and um and he offered to, you know, if you need help, you know, I'm, oh, no, they were trying for publicity purposes to have him come down and watch. I'm like, fuck no, are you kidding me? You know, so fortunately he couldn't come anyway, but uh-huh. I was like, are you kidding? No way, you know. So. Yeah, I, and I love all your additions to that. Too. The Lex Luthor, if, uh, yeah, I, Lex Luthor never had um, a theme. Um, no, in in the Otis did Otis right, but <laughs> so I, that was a right. theme that I came up with for um for uh for the film, yeah, yeah. Well, let's play a, a rousing round of. I'm Alan Hunter, and tonight it's the war to settle the score. Oh, Jesus, it costs <laughs> a lot of money to get. It's not, not cheap to get uh, Alan Hunter involved, uh, but Adam would like to settle the score. Uh, with you, uh, okay. We, we play this game, and we get a. There's a long-standing question yes. from the day that I saw Superman Returns. As far as I'm concerned, a perfect movie. Uh, with with a friend Superman of mine. Superman Returns. Yeah. You, All right. Wow. Let me just say I've made my peace with a couple things. <laughs> you know, first of all, Jor-El should have taught him if you're going to go X-ray a house, they could be pooping. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. on Jor-El. That's true. That's on Jor-El. <laughs> However, <laughs> this was this was one thing, and this does have to do with the editing and the score. In Superman Returns, a space shuttle on top of a plane containing Lois Lane is plummeting to Earth. The only hope she has for survival is Superman, who has disappeared for 15, 15 years, 10 years? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, <coughs> the, the Superman theme starts to rumble. Clark Kent exits to an alley and pulls the baller superhero move, ripping the shirt open to show the S. But at that point, we don't hit the Superman theme. And that is such a giant, like, heroic moment. And I always wondered, like, oh, well, why was it reserved for... I mean, obviously, he's got more heroic stuff to do. <laughs> I mean, settle I, the score. I, well, settle I, the score. I frankly can't remember, but, I okay. mean, editorially, <laughs> the editor chose to, to um, as soon as he starts doing that, to cut right back to the scene, okay. uh, the, the, the plane in jeopardy. So, for, for that reason, the composer couldn't... Just play the theme because you have yeah. to go right back into tension. I see. Um, I mean, it's but the why the editor did that. I can't remember now. You know, I, th- I think it was. Oh no, no, I think that's it was what it sequenced. Was. It was montaged. No, no, of. but I think what it was is um, is that when he does that, he literally goes in the ca- like runs into the camera. Like you, there's no. Oh, there, I see. It wasn't shot where he could really do that. He doesn't continue it sh- walking. It wasn't shot for it. So yeah. I think that was the reason where I literally just had to cut out. Oh, you're right. It goes right off screen, which only gives it time for the dun-dun, and then it goes... Right. But, of course, we're still building and building and building, and it's... Yeah, it's... Uh, there, yeah. There's going to be yeah. plenty of it, Superman it, theme left, but... It gets there later, yeah. <laughs> it gets there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. That, was a, that was a mother to score, that scene. That was a... Uh, and, oh, and oh that's together. a hell of a score. Yeah, and they put it together. It was really hard, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. come on. This, this is why I consider this a, per- a perfect superhero but movie, the, I the, will say. No, it's not. The, the movie, sh- movie should have started with that scene. But, but, uh, but, but, but the script wasn't designed that way. So, so yeah. it really it, it couldn't have unless, unless the script was rewritten. But, but, but um, it was, uh, and even as it was, I rejiggered scenes. I mean, it never used to start out with the opening scene that was in it. It used to start out literally, literally, you probably know, he explores Krypton. Yes, he yeah. crashes the Earth. Martha discovers him. And, you know, when we did this screening together, Brian was like, is it? But it's like forty-five minutes, and no one said a word yet. I've got. I know. So basically, yeah. we. Um, I, I had actually one of those rolling in bed epiphanies um, at the, in the eleventh hour, where I said, "Let's just start out with Lex, Lex Luthor, you know, hatching his plan, you know, with, with old woman dying, you know." Um, but in retrospect, had we had more time to think about, you know, uh, I would have like, 
and we had we would have to, we would have had to have another action scene later. Yeah. But if we started started that scene with the jet scene, yeah, um, it would have been a much more I mean engaging first uh, forty five minutes of that of that movie. Okay, interesting. Anyway. I, I, my my only thought would be to just flop Luthor in the first farm scene where Superman crashes. I figured that's just a logical order. You introduce the hero, and then you're on to Lex Luthor. Right, but and, and that's the way that it was. But yeah. it was it was boring. Yeah. Um, and um, and so you had to start out gotcha. with something that's going to give you a little. Um, laugh and well, not a laugh, but but um, um, a cliffhanger. Like, who's that? There's a there's a plot okay. uh, um, afoot. Gotcha. And then go do that because it, 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 we found that it was just like it was too plotting. And then uh, anyway, so 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 yeah, it's good to leave a little something hanging on something so that when you go to the next thing, you want to go back to what that plot was. Yeah. You know. So that's how why it started with that okay. scene. Interesting. You know, I do love that that version of Luthor because he's still he's still the Gene Hackman Luthor. <laughs> In a way, yeah. Well, he does all really. the speeches. And Adam loves superhero movies. <laughs> all right. he's, just, he's just thrilled that they're. I'm art. glad you like it so much. I, I think it's a very artistic film. Very <laughs> proud of the craftsmanship in it. I think um, the story was a little. Adam's just like that. There are three Punisher movies. Well, exactly. <laughs> but, but but let me say that the high points of Superman Returns are higher than some other great superhero well, movies. Well, it's really fantastic. The bar is so low now that that despite my criticism of my own movie, then you watch the new ones and I'm like, wow. Uh, Oh, sorry. Cer- certainly. No, I, I, just, I, I, I you know, um, uh, unfortunately, we did see the 40th anniversary of Superman, and now, yeah, it just put, yeah. casts a stink on all the current DC movies, in my opinion. Adam would disagree. But, well, no, yeah. I mean, uh, if but they do things so right in that 78 yeah. one that they, I mean, Man of had, Steel doesn't compare. We had, you know, uh, the 78 movie is such a great film, and and for better for worse, we were we wanted to be so reverential to that, but in, in all, in, but in other ways, it kind of crippled us because we we're so afraid to mess up the universe. However. Having said that, we were very um, conscious of, of being almost religious about the world. And Jarrell was one of the most religious recreations we wanted to do. We wanted to make it intriguing and beautiful and, and, um, and like, you know, and basically resurrecting Marlon Brando lines mm-hmm. you never heard before oh, and great. having him appear on the crystals. And then I saw the new one and like, he's walking around. Hey, I'm Jarrell. I'm your father, you know, with the handheld <laughs> cameras. I'm like, I'm like, what? You know, cause I didn't see that in the theater and I'm like, and, you know, I'm watching the home one night and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know? And, and I think, Anyway, I shouldn't um, say a lot. <laughs> but yeah. well, I, I, my biggest problem was Lex Luthor really didn't have an evil plan in, in, the, what, in the new movies. One? Well, Batman yeah. versus Superman. Yeah. First show, oh, so. yeah, yeah, they should. Yeah, we, we, we can get it. Really, the, the biggest sin of those movies because I saw if there were no Marvel Studios, we would call those decent movies. I think <laughs> yeah. you know if there were, but but it's just they they drink unicorn tears over there at Marvel or something. I don't know what they're. But <laughs> the screenplay for <laughs> Superman the original. I mean, uh, it's like it, it is responsible for a lot of it. I mean, for half of, of, of its brilliance. I mean, when you say Gene Hackman, it's like the, the, the stuff that is, comes out of his mouth is fantastic, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's those cat-like, cat-like reflexes, you know. It's yeah. those little things, you know. It's just brilliant screenwriting. And watching it this time out, it's not that you should be stealing the action sequences or the score or anything else. It's the scene with 
uh, Kent and his mom, and he's in the field. Oh my and god! He's looking northeast. Oh, yeah. uh, chills right now. Uh, yeah. Chills right that, now. That's the scene uh, you want to reflect in the new movies, and they, they buzz right by him, and mm. to get to whatever CGI. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even when he comes out in the Daily Planet, the doors open. It's it's, it's a wonder. Oh. It's a wonder the whole time. How choreographed that whole thing is, you know, and it's it's so well directed, and um, and 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 uh, the banter, you know, uh, with all the people in the Daily Planet. But then then you're in Perry White's office, and it's just fantastic. If you just watch that one scene. It's amazing. Well, know. and Christopher Reeve. I mean, I mean, I just I, I look I look at that man's performance, and I just don't know. It's, it dropped from space, some other yeah. alien <laughs> land where he is Superman. That's the only yeah. way he can pull that off. He must be. Oh, and and when his father <laughs> dies, yeah, it is beautifully directed yeah. and beautifully edited because it doesn't go into close-ups. It's long shots. It yep. stays in that wide shot. The music is very subtle. It's just a chime. His father drops. It's just, ugh, mm. you know, and, and then he goes, and it's just it's so beautifully done, you know. How about anyway. that wheat field? Yeah, then <laughs> yeah. that we we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, there is one more thing, but I want to ask you your favorite movie of all time. We ask everyone who comes on here. We're already talking about movies we love, but I do mm. want to ask. You worked on Valkyrie. Everybody who comes in here seems to have a Tom Cruise saved my life story. <laughs> like the guy. That, talk about a guy <laughs> oh. dropped from space. That yeah. guy. Every, have you met Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah. He pulled my daughter out of a river. Oh, right? well, <laughs> I, do have any? I don't have a say my life story, but I have a, a really great thing he did for my dad. See? Yeah, see? <laughs> see? <laughs> what star can you just have this consistent story with? He's the last great movie star. I'd love to hear you. Yeah, yeah. No, we were in. I, I, I flew my parents to Berlin. Um, and we were shooting some scenes, and he and my dad... Um, hit it off because um, they're talking about World War II planes, and so um, he's like, "Oh, hold on a minute." So he had his assistant go get some photos of of a P twenty four two plane. It's some World War II plane he just yeah. bought. And he's showing my dad, you know, and they're they're, they're, they're they're so then um um like a couple hours later, he comes up to me, and goes, you know, he pushes your chest. He goes, "When your dad comes to L.A., he goes, I'm gonna fly in my plane." I'm gonna fly in my P24. I'm like, okay, all right. No, no, he's, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm like, okay, all right, okay. So months go by, you know. So six months later, we're in LA, um, you know, in the post production, and um, and I get a call from my mom. Now Tom told your father he was gonna fly in the plane. <laughs> now Tom. And I said, okay, mom, I'm not Tom. gonna call Tom Cruise. Say, you told my dad you're gonna fly him in your plane. He goes, no. Now he told your father. I'm like, oh my god. And so. I called Tom's assistant and I said, you know, Tom called my dad. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, and she's, and she's like, oh yeah, Tom remembers that. And I'm like, okay. So he goes, but but he's in Telluride during Christmas. So Tom had a limo sent to my house to pick up my parents and me to to fly to, to fly to drive to his hangar in Burbank, and he had his other pilot gas up that plane and fly my dad around for 45 minutes, and. Um, I was like, and, and oh, and just as a side note, the hangar was like amazing. <laughs> You're like, okay, someone really rich has this hangar. <laughs> I mean, like DreamWorks had their hangar, you know, and then it's Tom's hangar is like twice the size. And there's like um, four planes in there, and the you know, motorcycles, and his first car, and there's like a there's like, like an airport lobby in the hangar. Oh, anyway, but um, he did cool that, move. you know, and um, and I said, you know, my dad was so appreciative of that. And he goes, well, what else am I going to do with this stuff? And so I'm like, okay, he's cool, you know. So, yeah. Love him. We That's love awesome. him. That's awesome. We love Keanu Reeves. But what's Ron Babcock's line, right? That we always do. He says, hanging out with uh, him for a day must be like a, a, a week spa retreat. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, getting a juice cleanse. <laughs> getting a juice cleanse. Ten minutes with Tom Cruise is like an hour of juice cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gave, me a, uh, he gave me a juicer. 
Okay. It's funny oh, you said that. You no, awesome. because awesome. I, had, I, I was distraught. This film dragged on forever. And he walked in one day and he says, how's it going? I'm like, it's all right. I feel like I'm really unhealthy right now. And the next day he had a juicer. He bought me a juicer and he had his assistant. Um, um, so I guess he kind of saved my life in a way. He, <laughs> he, has it, he had his assistant go to the store and, and keep that stocked with uh, fresh vegetables. Yeah. I like that. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard a bad thing. <laughs> I haven't heard a bad thing. Some people don't like that Oprah appearance, but everything else I've yeah, heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so then, uh, all right, so let's ask, what's your favorite movie of all time? As you know, that's impossible to answer. Of course. But, but every time Given someone that, asks me that, I say Alien. <laughs> and I know it's strange because to me, it's just such a masterpiece. Um, filmmaking and um and it's funny because i'm not really despite the fact that i directed a, a horror movie i'm not really i don't go run out to horror movies it's mm. the first alien the first alien yeah i call that a horror movie too yeah. uh, sci-fi could right. be fantasy or something. but it's it just like it's got more horror. it's like 2001 a space odyssey with that intelligence but it's a horror movie and it's yeah. it's it's um and and from um i mean i can get into the geek reasons why like just from a sound design perspective when they had no faders that were automated if you mm. think about it, if like they do a fader move, they have to write it down, you know, and it's all the dummies in the back with the film, you know, the, the mag film wow. and so forth. And, you know, I have to remember what their move was. And then everyone, okay, guys, I'm going to push record. And it's like, but you hear that sound. It's like, how do they do that? You know, so, um, and, and, you know, and the, 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 the acting is so real, you know, the, the, the way he directed the actors and their performances. Um, the great Ridley Scott. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's just was so, and, and, and what was frightening about it was, of course, it's one thing that's invincible. It's, 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 it's what, 10 Little Indians, whatever. They, yeah, they're all gonna 10 be Little gone. Indians. And right? there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> nothing. Whereas Aliens, which is a fun movie, I've seen that millions of times, of course, I wasn't scared really that much because it's like you're just shooting them and they die. Yeah. So it's like, I, I wasn't really, I'm not, I wasn't, I, I mean, Alien, I was like mm -hmm. petrified. And, and, and at that point, I was still old enough to be jaded enough where I, movies didn't really scare me. But that movie um, w w freaked me out, you know, but, um, but, but uh, anyway, it's, did, did, you, here, you, did you see it in the theater? Oh, and Jerry Goldsmith's score oh, is, yes. is, even though a lot of it was replaced with, the, with his, his own music that was in the temp score, um, is, is brilliant, you know, um, and it shows how, Far down the bar is gone because um, anyway because you know when they did the his latest Alien film which is not a good movie Covenant they, yeah. Covenant Covenant yeah. they brought back Jerry Goldsmith's score for a lot of it mm. and pe people didn't know they're like oh the score is so amazing like <laughs> yeah it's amazing how those moments are so amazing because they're Jerry Goldsmith but it was beautifully recorded because it was a, it was reperformed you know and sounded fantastic but um, that score is is is, a, is an amazing score yeah. Did you see Alien in the theater? Yeah. You, oh, yeah. oh okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was. I was too young to, but it was so legendary that I remember there was a comic book that the, you could read the Alien because they thought it was going to be another Star Wars. They were making no. action figures, <laughs> which is hilarious. But they also had yeah. a comic book, and I remember this thing I wasn't allowed to see, like looking at the chestburster sequence in yeah, the comic yeah. book, going, "Oh my god!" Like I can't wait to see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People come in here and tell us their favorite movie all the time. It rarely aligns with the. Uh, what wins awards yeah well yeah, the funny I, thing I, is it's screwed yeah star trek the motion picture which for visual effects and the visual effects in star trek the motion picture were fantastic but it lost to alien oh, yeah. star trek enough. the motion picture is the uh is the 2001 of star trek movies right? exactly <laughs> no that's exactly yeah. right yeah. and i think it uh 
it's been it's been revisited by a lot of people because it's a very 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 ambitious movie. Yeah. Um, it's a very epic film. We I saw mean, it at the Great New Beverly. Not very. Yeah. Recently. I mean, it's cerebral. And that brought me and, around to it. Yeah. I, I hadn't um, been brought around. Yeah, I mean, it's one to me. It's 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 one of the last true science fiction movies. Mm. Um, there's been a couple since then, but it's pure science fiction. It's yeah. it's not you know it's it and so it was very too dry for people, of course. And it's not perfect, obviously. Um, but um, uh, anyway, I could talk about that. Sure, but my my here. standard is they picked a tone, they went for it, and they went full bore with it, and therefore it succeeds on that level. That it, it doesn't it doesn't vary. It doesn't suddenly get. Funny or suddenly get the it, no it's, yeah. it stays that tone you know it maintains and it has balls to 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 for them to do a yeah. summer movie that's a cerebral sci-fi film literally about whether God exists or not <laughs> yeah because um, really the the message of the film is we created God and um, that's what it's all about and it's like because Gene Runberg always wanted to tell that story and the studio was like horrified he wanted to tell a story but they did it huh. in a certain but it's an allegory to that and. Um, uh, you know, anyways, it's, um, it's, it's, I, by, by five Spock shot God in the face. That's how that one ended. Oh yeah. I'm not <laughs> well, no, <laughs> circle. Yeah. Anyway, I could talk about Star Trek forever, but, uh, you know, could you, then, then they, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so could we, that's of course Star Trek two. Yeah. Perhaps the most perfect of them all. Well, that's a, that's an example of how a great script can 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 float an entire movie because oh god because <laughs> because Star Trek 2 looks like a TV show compared to Star Trek the Motion Picture which is directed by Robert Wise and looks like an epic motion picture um, it's the same sets, but it's amazing how lighting can make a set either look like you are really on a starship or you're on a television set hmm. um, and um, but the script and the story, the story, the script, and the, the character development is so good, so good that you dismiss the fact that a, that a communicator looks like a tuna can. Yeah. Like, why did they yeah. do that? But but anyway, but um. But then why do they dismiss it for best screenplay? It it is a rock star of storytelling. Damn, that is so. Oh yeah, screen. Well, that's because the genre is respected. Comedies obviously aren't good yeah. movies either because they don't get nominated, right? <laughs> well, it's like like know. the Dead Zone. Christopher Walken should have won Best Actor hands down, but mm. but at that time the genre wasn't taken seriously. That's one of my other favorite movies, The Dead Zone. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dead Zone. You know why? Cool. It it def- it's talking about scripts. It defies script uh, rules. Um, you know, you think it's one story and it's something else and then he has this whole side thing where he, where he tutors this kid that, that he they warns the father about the ice is going to break and then goes to somewhere else but it's just, a, it's that's a, a great movie. Cronenberg um, means no joke. I hear he's oh, yeah. retired. Did I hear that correctly? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Not sure. I've never seen Dead Zone. I forgot that was Cronenberg until you oh, just yeah. said oh, it actually. my God. Yeah. Movie no, style. no, yeah. <laughs> you should watch it. And that's the Christopher Walken. Yeah. That's the Walken. No, Christopher Walken, I'm not kidding, should have got the Oscar for that film. But because oh, it, back then, today he would have because the genre isn't isn't um, dismissed. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, you, and not for nothing, you should look up the Saturday Night Live sketch where he plays his character from the dead zone. Okay, yeah. yeah. But... He only sees visions of your future that are completely innocuous. <laughs> You're gonna spill coffee on the way yeah, home. Yeah. It's all it goes. And and um, and Martin Sheen is great as a bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah. yeah. that is a good bad That's guy. Prime prime Martin Sheen territory. Yeah. Uh, well, look. As you said, we could talk about movies all day. We could yeah, talk about yeah. movies. I'm just what getting we started do. now. Now I'm getting into like movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, 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 <laughs> well, we got more scores here. We roll through a bunch. <laughs> Um, I mean, how about this one? 
Oh, crawl. Crawl. Oh, yeah. You did pull crawl. Yeah. Name that too. Oh, oh, okay. Another a terrible movie, <laughs> okay. but, but a yeah. great score, you know. This score is amazing James because Horner. if you like Star Trek 2 oh, and yeah. you're a James Horner fan, this is everything you didn't use in Star Trek 2, I swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, well, I was lucky enough uh, to work uh, uh, on the, a montage for when James Horner died that played at a uh, composer's sort of memoriam mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. And so I got to do it. And they, and they picked, obviously, they picked Braveheart. They picked Titanic. You know, they probably yeah, picked yeah, the yeah. big ones. And I'm like... No Rocketeer? And they're like, no. And I'm like, no yeah, Star yeah. Trek? They're like, nah, we're not going to do Star or Trek. Or Land Before Time? Yeah, no Land Great Before score. Time. Yeah. So then I immediately, like, right after that was, like, the Comic-Con in town. And then they had the, the there's a lot of people sell a lot of soundtracks there. And I'm like, for the two movies that aren't in there that I like, I bought Krull and Commando and <laughs> listened to them for the whole week. <laughs> no, and Commando's not so good. It's not so good. But it's nostalgia. <laughs> but Krull, I was amazed, is like, oh, this is. That's awesome. And he was like, what? Like 27 years old, oh, I felt like such a loser. Remember, I, I was um, editing Usual Suspects, and I had the score to Brainstorm. I was looking at, it. I was reading the liner notes, oh. and he was 26 years old when they recorded that with the London Symphony. I'm like, and I was 30, 30 years old. And I was cutting. I'm like, I'm a fucking loser. I'm like, in my living room cutting this movie. And it's like, he's like 26 years old. But yeah, it's just all relative. But you know, if, if anyone wants to defeat themselves, always remember that Orson Welles was 23 when he made oh, yeah, it. I know one. Have you seen whatever. Battle Beyond the Stars? Oh yeah, you have. Oh yeah, yeah. I've never seen. Is that the, that's the uh, Roger <laughs> Corman, Corman one? That yeah. was uh, Horner's first. Oh, score, yes, yes, you know. it was. And the Roger Corman used that score in the next five movies he did after that, you know. Um, <laughs> That's so Corman. Oh, oh, time for Horner to learn something about retaining your rights <laughs> or reuse or whatever. Yeah. Well, let, 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 let's play through the end of our end plugs and whatnot. Uh, that wraps another TMG interview. Follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys, YouTube, Instagram, iTunes, all that nonsense for daily jokes, articles, media links, and more. Thanks to John Ottman, Thanks. everybody. Where are we finding you? JohnOtman.com. Yeah. It's out there. I guess so. I, yeah. so I looked at it today. <laughs> it's there. Yeah, of course, it's been updated recently. Oh, so yeah. look yeah. them up on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Any other? Do you do social or any of that kind of stuff? Uh, just Facebook and I argue with people. It's terrible. <laughs> it's worse, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. That's the death of Facebook. It's not good for your health. Yeah. It's really not. You try to reason, you can't, you know. What do you have coming up? What are you working on now? Nothing. Personal life. Nice. Wait, I'm going to yeah. bring it. I'm going to say something. There, I, I did see an IMDb, a film called. Tampa Theater as time goes on. <laughs> and you know why I bring that up? Because it looks like, does Tampa have a new Beverly-type theater in it? Uh, I have no so? idea. There was someone who hit me up on Facebook <laughs> asking um, for this little documentary he made um, if he could use some music of mine. Oh, I thought oh, you okay. So <laughs> I, no, I gave him some music I owned. I said, sure, use it. So oh, it, wow. It wow he threw your name right up on IMDb yeah. <laughs> right quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Of course, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, still in theaters uh, and hopefully at least long enough for John's parents to come see it on a big screen. Exactly. Yeah. And not on the plane. What do they watch it on the plane on the way here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as ever, you can find out everything we're up to, including reviews, articles, and more at themovieguys.net. Thanks, John.